what I want to talk to you about today is how we can use model organisms, model systems, in order to study fundamental biological processes. And uh, our favorite model system in the lab is the fruit fly, Drosophila uh, melanogaster. So this slide basically presents the um, way species evolved, right? So the, the common ancestor of uh, vertebrates and invertebrates, uh, um, the last of the common ancestors were uh, about uh, 800 million years ago, and then there was a split between the vertebrate clade and the in, uh, sorry the invertebrate clade and the vertebrate clade. And um, four hundred fifty million years ago, uh, there was a split between the gnathostomes, so the jawed vertebrates, from the agnathans. And here you see basically how mammals uh, came about, and then primates and and humans. Now it's very. Um, I'm showing this because it's. It's. I think it's very telling that the immunity, the immune response that we are used to referring, uh, which is antibodies basically, uh, started 450 million years ago and and concerned this category of animals, the gnathostomes. So all other species rely on different kind of responses in order to fight off infection. So no antibodies, no specific immunity, no memory uh, following uh, <coughs> a second encounter with the, same, uh, with the same pathogen. And it is the uh, fact that these species lived for more than one year, and some of them uh, lived for, for several decades, that created the need for the organism to invest in a more complex and sophisticated immune response. Because as you can imagine, maintaining an immune response that is sophisticated, specific, and efficient um, draws a lot of resources for the organism. So, so there the, the needs to be some kind of, a, of a, a balance between the resources that the organism can invest, uh, invest and the, the immune response that uh, um, can be maintained. So what do we know about our, uh, and this is a very simplified, um, well, for the common search, if, if there are any immunologists in, in the audience, this is a very simplified uh, version of how human immunity works, how mammalian immunity works uh, in, in general. And we call this adaptive immunity because it adapts to specific pathogens, right? It doesn't just recognize viruses, uh, bacteria, um, uh, parasites, uh, but it actually recognizes specific categories of, of parasites or viruses or, or, um, or bacteria or fungi. So what happens is that when a virus uh, infects uh, the organism, there are macrophages, which is the first line host defense that will, uh, that will engage in phagocytosis. They will uh, take in the virus and then they will uh, <coughs> display antigens of the virus along with self-antigens of the major histocompatibility complex for the T cells to recognize. And when this recognition happens, then the T cells will kill the viral-containing uh, 
the same time will uh, activate through cytokine release uh, the B cells. And the B cells are the ones that will uh, trigger uh, antibody responses. And, and there are two um, aspects in the antibody response. The first aspect is that there is a very specific antigen that will bind to a very specific, uh, sorry, a very specific antibody that will bind to a very specific antigen, right? Like lock and key, that's a very famous uh, parallel of, between antibodies and antigens. But also, a group of uh, B cells that create these, uh, uh, these, these antibodies will be set aside and will uh, be used as memory cells for the organism to, to draw upon when there is a, a secondary immune response with, uh, with the same pathogen. So this is how immunity is created, right, with a memory uh, portion of, of the B cells. And how antibodies are, are uh, uh, generated, they're generated with a, an ingenious system that has to do with somatic recombination. So, so that uh, gives us basically the notion that our genome is not a static thing. It's, it's rather a dynamic thing, and, and, and the immune uh, system exemplifies this, this, uh, this uh, flux uh, in, in the genome in the sense that an antibody, which is the final product, the protein, which is the final product of this uh, process, will be created by a kind of uh, 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 trial and error uh, thing where uh, viable regions will be uh, uh, combined with, with, with joining segments and the constant regions, and the viable regions will be the ones that will recognize the antigen directly, and many of these combinations will, will be uh, formed and will be aborted until the organism finds the specific antigen for, sorry, the specific antibody for the specific antigen. Now that is what happens in our immune system when we are attacked by a virus, a fungus, a bacterium, a parasite. But it has been observed since uh, a long time ago that um, uh, in vaccination trials, so even Jenner or Lister or Pasteur had, had uh, uh, observed that when one vaccinates uh, any kind of uh, animal or human with a very clean and purified antigen, one gets a lesser uh, response than when this antigen is mixed with uh, bacterial cell wall, or fungal cell wall, or viral capsids. So very crude preparations of, of uh, the cell surface of pathogens. And that was uh, a phenomenon that couldn't be explained uh, at the time because it was counterintuitive. You would expect that the cleaner the antigen, then the better it would be recognized for the adaptive immune response. Right? But of course, that wasn't the case in the field, in, in the, the, the 
experience and and Charlie Denaway Jr. Uh, the late great Charlie Denaway Jr. A um, an immunologist in the early nineties, late eighties, uh, formulated this theory that he called the pattern recognition theory, and the theory was that. There are some receptors that have nothing to do with antibodies or T cells and B cells that are encoded by the germline and that recognize these very conserved molecules on the surface of pathogens. And then this recognition will activate T cells and B cells and will activate a specific uh, immune response. Now, this was just hypothesis um, at the time and it was a hypothesis until this very uh, this seminal paper was, was published by uh, Zoo Hoffman's lab in Strasbourg in 1996 and that is when uh, fruit fly uh, came into uh, play in, in immunological studies so this, this uh, so Bruno Lemaitre and, and uh, Zoo Hoffman found that there was a receptor in Drosophila uh, called Tol that, um, when mutated, makes flies very sensitive to fungal infection. So you see here a fly that is, that is dead, and you see uh, a spermidus fumigatus, which is a, a human pathogen that is germinating. Um, and has penetrated the, 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 I mean, the whole body of, of, the, of the insect. So why that was important? That was important because it gave the first glimpse of a receptor like Jane Away's uh, uh, receptors in, in his pattern recognition um, hypothesis. And um, so people, mammalian immunologists, took up this, this um, uh, paper uh, and this hypothesis a little bit further and they discovered that there are, you know, there's a, a, a family of tall receptors and tall-like receptors both in, in flies and humans and that uh, humans, uh, human tall-like receptors are actually doing the same thing. They recognize uh, microbial patterns, they recognize molecules on the cell surface of the pathogens and they um, activate an inflammatory response that will in turn activate T cells. Right now, this is a seminal point for, for, for innate immunity, not only because these receptors were found, now we know how adaptive immunity is, is activated, but also because it underlined the conservation of immune responses between animals. So that means that, I mean, it is a hypothesis that toll-like receptors and toll receptors in Drosophila were present in the common ancestor of vertebrates and invertebrates, right? And it's a very, it's a very clever system because these receptors target things that the pathogen cannot change because if it does change, it will perish, it will die. So, for example, peptidoglycan, which is a, which is a, a peptide coated with sugars, cannot change because the cell shape of the bacterium will change and therefore it will not be able to divide. Uh, flagellin cannot change because it helps the bacterium to uh, move. Uh, Double-stranded RNA is the genetic material of many, of many viruses. 
and so on and so forth. So, so the host basically targets um, uh, these very conserved, um, uh, obligatory uh, conserved molecules in order to uh, sense uh, infection. So that, that was uh, where uh, Drosophila, that was where actually uh, invertebrate models like uh, fruit flies or uh, nematode worms began to um, be used as, as model hosts. And here is by no means, uh, by, by no means uh, a definite list, exhaustive list of, of why Drosophila is a good model. And the only, I mean, you know, you, you can read by yourself, but the only thing I, I would like to uh, draw your attention to, which is very important, is that uh, models, uh, host models like, like fruit flies, are genetically tractable, right? So you can do genetic experiments with flies very fast and uh, cheaply and without really uh, having any uh, well, ethical uh, considerations. So, so the question is, um, from, a, from an insect immunologist point of view, but also from an evolutionary point of view, how can uh, insects, although they don't have a sophisticated adaptive immunity with T and B cells that I described in the beginning, that humans have or mammals have, how is it that they are the most populous uh, um, uh, family of species in, in, in uh, nature and how they can actually um, uh, inhabit so many uh, very um, hostile um, habitats. And that is, is actually um, uh, exemplified by the fact that fruit flies in the wild um, live on decomposing media, right? I mean, there's a dinner coming on, so I don't want to Really great graphic about, yeah. but you can you know you can figure it out for yourselves. So when we infect flies and take their blood, we can see that there is a lot of antimicrobial activity going on. So this blood, if you mix it with bacteria, bacteria will die. It's a very, you know, it's a very simple experiment. And these uh, proteins that are released in the blood are coded by genes that have uh, regulatory sequences that resemble very much the mammalian uh, uh, situation. So just a, a diversion to let you know how genes are, you know, are organized in, in animal genomes. So it's not just a, a stretch of DNA, they, they are interrupted in the sense that the actions uh, code for the, for the uh, protein and the interns have to be spliced out in order for the actions to be uh, um, united and create the, uh, the messenger RNA that will, that will synthesize the protein. And there is a, a domain that is five prime uh, of the gene, so it's upstream of the gene that regulates the expression. So when and where and how much the gene will be activated in order to um, uh, express the uh, express the gene uh, and, and, and uh, go to the protein. So this is um, uh, going going back to immunity. This is a, a kind of a parallel between flies or invertebrates, humans or vertebrate mammals and plants. And and uh, 
what you immediately see is that the most striking resemblance is the fact that there are a lot of a lot of these antimicrobial peptides that are expressed in epithelia, be it the gut or kidneys or the airways of the lungs or the reproductive tracts or flowers and leaves and stems and roots. So any kind of epithelium has to be protected by a constant flow of, uh, of, of pathogens. So in that, and, and this is just a, um, a summary of a paper we have uh, published uh, some time ago, and we had, what you can do uh, in Prosophila uh, is to create transgenic flies. So insert, you know, a, uh, a piece of DNA that does not belong to the genome necessarily, into flies and create uh, different kind of uh, uh, insects. And one of the things that you could do is that you could take GFP, which is the green fluorescent protein that has been isolated from the jellyfish. When you heat it with uh, UV, it would glow. And that was a Nobel Prize, uh, not this year, last year, uh, um, for, the, for the, not so much for the discovery of the, of the GFP, but for the incredible, um, uh, incredible extensive usage of, of GFP in many different studies. And you can see, you can take GFP and then the regulatory sequence of these antimicrobial peptides, and you can see where these antimicrobial peptides are expressed. You know, the gut, this is the respiratory tract, this is the genital tract, and, and, and so on and, and so forth. And I mean, obviously, these are things that you know it's, it, it's very difficult to do in uh, in humans, and um, but it will give you an idea of where uh, in humans these these kind of things could be expressed, even though the anatomy is totally different, right? But there there is a, a kind of uh, symmetry in in uh, the expression. So in this, with this token, Drosophila uh, can be used to model infections of human pathogens. And I'm just going to present you because, I mean, you know, I, I don't have to, I don't want to take up too much time. I, I just want to point out one uh, thing that we're doing, and that is uh, modeling uh, candida albicans infections with, uh, uh, by using Drosophila as a model host. And candida albicans, a human pathogen, it's quite nasty. And, and uh, candida infection usually um, starts as, as a gastrointestinal infection and then becomes systemic if the patient is immunosuppressed or if there's uh, a problem with the, um, the immune system. And, and here you can see the gut of a fly. And what you see is, um, and I guess you realize that this is also uh, telling us a lot about, about the biology of the gut. You see these big cells and the little cells. And the big cells are stem cells. So they are the cells that are undifferentiated. And they will uh, be used to differentiate under certain conditions. And these are the enterocytes. So the, so the cells that actually line the inside um, uh, part of the uh, peritrophic membrane of, of, of the gut. So this is a, you know, a gut in a steady state that is not uh, infected.
And when the gut is infected, then you know you see uh, cells missing. And when you put uh, a dye in order to see the cells that are that are missing, whether they are missing or they're dying or what, you see. So the green is uh, bad news. So it's it's cells that are are, are dying, and, and the and the um, and the blue is cells that are still uh, are still living. So you see that, um, I mean, sustaining this infection, the, the fly doesn't die, right? And also humans don't die from, from this kind of infection. Although also in humans, there is a lot of cell death during uh, a gastrointestinal infection. And, and here you see the, so here you see the candida uh, going in the gut, and there is a lot of, you know, uh, cell death around, although there are, some stem cells that remain there, and they will uh, subsequently give the regeneration of the gut. And, and here you see the same thing uh, in, in greater magnification. And this, this is the candida, this is the fungus, this, these are the cells that are of the gut that are dying. And if you take out the noise of the fungus, you, you can see uh, clearly uh, dying cells, right? So if you use antifungal drugs to cure the infection, right, then, then you see that in 24 hours the blue cells are back. There are some green cells that are the enterocytes lining the, so this is the external side of the, the gut that we're looking. And then underneath is the lining of the peritropic membrane. And these are the blue cells that are coming and, and uh, starting. These are the stem cells that will start dividing to give uh, the enterocytes. And as you can appreciate, I hope you can appreciate that this gives us a model in order to uh, uh, very quickly uh, scan uh, libraries of potential antifungal drugs. Right? We cannot do this in mice very quickly. We cannot do this in humans because you have to do a clinical trial. But you can do this in uh, flies in, in a couple of weeks. You can use whatever, uh, 10, 20,000 um, uh, putative antifungal drugs in order to see if you can um, actually end up in this situation whereby the gut, the gut will be uh, regenerated. And I mean, the, the, the other thing that one could do is to model the gut infection in Drosophila with parasites that are actually parasites of much more um, uh, bad insects like the tsetse fly or the, uh, or the sand fly. And these are blood-sucking insects that are very difficult to grow in the lab and, and, and they are a cause of, of very nasty uh, uh, infections in, in, in tropical countries, right? And now that um, we know a lot about the physiology of the gut in Drosophila, we can use this kind of, of parasite like Leishmania to model uh, infection of the sunfly uh, with Drosophila. And with this, I want to uh, finish with uh, the people. Um, there are two of them that are not in a were nowhere to be found. I don't know what happened to them. Um, so David is a postdoc. Prakas is our technician. Uh, Marcus is doing the work on uh, Candida with David, and we are funded by the Water Thank you.